and welcome to the world according to me. I'm your host, Roger Berkeley. Today, I'd like you to tell you about the stowaway that's been in my marriage for years. I've been working on this for a couple of weeks, and I actually wrote stuff down, so you know it's important to me. It was a cold and foggy December day when my wife Elaine and I were married at the Rainbow Grill at the top of what was then the RCA building. It's now the Comcast building, or as Comcast customers would call it, the Comcrap building. And uh, it was a glorious celebration. It was a real party. And we had a wonderful time. And everybody seemed to have a wonderful time. Good food. Lots of dancing. They didn't have to pay. Hey, great party. The next summer, Elaine was pregnant, and but continued to be as athletic as usual. I mean, she was a gym teacher. So, you know, naturally. Uh, she'd grown up on the playgrounds of the Bronx. I was a mediocre athlete when I was really good. Um, I mean, that was my goal, to achieve mediocrity. I tried to make up for my mediocrity with enthusiasm. Uh, not a good way to win against somebody with actual talent like Elaine. But it was fun. I bring this up because eight months pregnant, we went to the local tennis courts where she beat me, 6-love, six 6-1, six and was pissed that she lost that one game. Our son Dan was born the next month, and Sarah was born about three years later. Our lives really have been active and full. Everything was going along pretty well. And then in 2002, I had a heart valve replaced. This was right around the uh, Jewish New Year, and I asked a rabbi friend if I had to fast on uh, Yom Kippur. He said, no, you don't have to fast, but you're not allowed to gloat. Hey, what fun is that? A couple of years later, we met the stowaway. Elaine was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Now there were three members of our marriage, and everything changed. We didn't know much, so we had to learn a lot, not just about Parkinson's, but about living with the disease. It's been 12 years, and we're still adapting, but we have learned a lot. Uh, let me point out this right at this juncture that I would never have told you this, recorded this at all, uh, without Elaine's permission which she gave, probably assuming you'd get bored. I mean, her reaction to uh, one of my podcasts was, shut up! So, you know, that's what she thought. So now I'm a Parkinson's caregiver, as well as a spouse. My inspiration about this is the two years I've spent as a member of the men's caregiver group sponsored by the Parkinson's Association of Southwest Florida. I've learned a lot from these guys, and I've tried to share what I've learned with them. Our first concern was our specific 
medical team, you know, doctors and stuff. Our friend, Doc Ira, told me that I should get past the idea that doctors are superheroes. They're not. For the most part, he said, you should select them like you choose your dry cleaner. Either the the clothes are getting cleaned or they're not. We've been very fortunate to have Doc Ira, who is not so great at golf, but he's great at medicine, by our sides through the whole ordeal. Okay, so that's the big stuff. Now let's deal with the important stuff. There is a common saying in Parkinson's circles that if you've met one Parkinson's patient, you've met one Parkinson's patient. Every patient is different. I've noticed that people we've known for years but who haven't seen us for a while are surprised that Elaine is so normal. What do they expect? My wife has an unmatched ability to concentrate and a commitment to prevail. Remember, you know, she beat me in that tennis match when when she was eight months pregnant. Eight months pregnant? Come on. Anyhow, Parkinson's is rarely fatal. There are very infrequent occasions when problems with swallowing cause death, but they are very infrequent. And remember, every Parkinson's patient is different. Medications and deep brain stimulation, along with the sheer determination and hard work, have helped Elaine pretty much keep ahead of the physical symptoms. There's another more difficult set of symptoms that Elaine, and therefore I, experienced. They're generally labeled as Parkinson's psychosis. It includes types of dementia, some insomnia, and hallucinations. Not everybody gets it at the same time, but every one runs into Parkinson's psychosis uh, symptoms in the course of the disease. Anyhow, in our case, we needed a psychiatrist. Now, finding a shrink who specializes in Parkinson's was really tough. And it would have been tougher in most other places with less access to health care. I also got one for me, too. Because taking care of me turns out to be critical. Elaine and our children have been helping me. Being a caregiver is highly stressful. If I step back from my life and look at it, I see that this is a full-time job. My life is doctor appointments and making sure Elaine is okay. We're in this together. Elaine, Dan, Sarah, and I have worked together to cope with this awful disease. Meanwhile, after 12 years with Parkinson's, we can only play nine holes of golf. And, you know, Elaine still beats me virtually every time. It takes a lot of concentration, a lot of hard work to be a caretaker. Not as much as your patient is putting in, but certainly 
a lot. It's a full-time job. And you are going to want to have help. And that help, hopefully, will be in the form of good uh, technical medical um, knowledge, which was we were fortunate to get. Um, connections. Uh, somebody who knows your local Parkinson's treating hospital pretty well. Uh, now, there are not a lot of Parkinson's treating hospitals. Florida, which is a huge state, um, really has just a few. The most, uh, I guess, the most knowledgeable one is the University of Miami a medical center and they are they're good they're good they're an hour away the other one is the university of florida in tallahassee i guess i mean i don't know because i have no personal experience but i guess they're pretty good too but tallahassee is seven hours away from us in southwest florida so you don't just run up there if you need to. And if you're in a place, particularly rural areas in the United States, where you don't have easy access to teaching hospitals and uh, any Parkinson's specialist, you're going to have a problem. But it's something you might be able to go after by... Uh, going online, finding organizations and websites online that will, in fact, uh, get you hooked up with people who can help you or people who can put you in touch with people who can help you. That's why it's important to think about what your needs are when you choose to live somewhere. Now, in our case, Parkinson's has not required frequent uh, or rushed trips for medical assistance. It's a, it's a disease that follows a path and a course, and you just don't know what the course is. You don't know what the symptoms are going to be, and you don't know exactly how long it's going to last. But there's no question that it's going to take, well, the rest of your life to deal with this. And this is when you learn that when you said you'll take your spouse um, in sickness and in health, this is what it meant. It didn't mean when you get sick, you get the flu, you get something else. It didn't mean that. It meant this, being a full-time caregiver for somebody with a chronic disease. And it's something you're just going to have to cope with. And you need people to talk to, friends, family, uh, medical professionals. You need someone who can help you. We have all the medical professionals that we need. We're fortunate. We're in the New York metropolitan area. 
Um, and there are a lot of different opportunities there, um, or here, I should say. I'm in New Jersey now. Uh, and we take advantage of them when we need them. Also, there's been some advances in the area of Parkinson's. For instance, we would have to go to the office of the Parkinson's neurological uh, motion specialist. And that person uh, would have to measure how what the performance of the deep brain stimulator is and what the battery status for the deep st- stimulator is. Uh, change things a little bit here and there to just to make sure everything's on the up and up. doesn't happen often, but it does happen. And of course, the more you go on, the more likely it is that you're going to have problems like this. Meanwhile, we don't have to do that anymore. They have a program that connects your deep brain stimulator to the uh, the computer and your doctor can sign into the same program and uh, do it all on the phone. At some point in every visit, they want to see how Elaine work, uh, walks, what the effects are on her. And that means that I have to use the camera in the phone. That's okay. I'm used to that. I got grandkids, the most photographed generation ever, and I can do that. So I follow her as she walks. The doctor says, okay, let's try this. And asks, is that better? Elaine walks again. But it's it's once every four months for us now. And so it's not critical. Uh, it's not an emergency. We also see the psychiatrist uh, about once a month to check up on medications. Are they performing properly? What symptoms are being displayed? Um, and he makes changes by uh, messing with the various uh, medications that are designed to help these symptoms. They're not cheap medicines. Some of them are relatively cheap, but the hallucination medication, which is called Nuplazid, is still under copyright protection or patent protection, and it costs a fortune. Medicare doesn't even come close to paying for all of it. Uh, There are a couple of foundations, which we found out about, and they, in fact, help subsidize people who need help paying for uh, medications. And Elaine qualifies for one of them. We didn't think she would, but they came back and said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll give you $10,000 a year. That's a wonderful thing. But, you know, $10,000 a year really doesn't fill the bill because it's a much more expensive drug. 
You know, she also has a drug that's a dollar and 69 cents. You know, so it's some of everything. But you need to get help. You need to tell people. That was one of the first things we had to wrestle with. Elaine didn't want special treatment. She didn't want to be considered somehow damaged or needing in special attention and so forth. So she didn't want to tell anybody. Finally, our therapist convinced her she really should share this so that uh, we don't have to, it makes it much more difficult for other people in the family. Um, For instance, people would say to me, what's wrong with Elaine? And I would say, well, you know, you're going to have to ask her. Of course, they don't ask her. People who know people who've had Parkinson's, they have an idea what's going on. Some people think she has Alzheimer's. This is nothing like Alzheimer's. Um, Alzheimer's is fatal. Uh, Parkinson's is generally not fatal. Uh, But the commitment in terms of the hours of the day for you, that is enormous and does not end. So you need help. You should get help. Make sure your estate is in good order. And that is true of any chronic neurological disease. You need to have a strong estate structure to help you get through whatever happens. You know, actuarially, I'm going to die first. Um, And that means that we have to have a method of dealing with the situation where Elaine gets up in the morning and I do not. And she has to remember everything. So the psychosis issues become very important. People have to know so that when she calls, nobody is surprised. Um, And all in all, there's a lot to be done. We also have a lot of fun together. I still love her. I love her every day. And every day I watch her struggling and overcoming the current symptom, whatever it is. I am so, I'm so filled with love. I am so proud of this woman and all she has done and her ability to focus on what has to be done to make life better. We laugh a lot. We also watch a lot of TV. That's thanks to the pandemic, I guess. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a real bond. You thought you loved her. Now you really know you love her. So that's really all I have to say to you about this. It's a very important topic to me. You'll see that when I back a charity on Facebook or anywhere else, it's usually a Parkinson's uh, a charity. These days it's been uh, the Michael J. Fox Parkinson's Foundation. They're doing a lot of work and uh, and he's been great. I don't meet, have, well, I have met him, but I don't know him at all. Um, 
but he has been a willing guinea pig in virtually every uh, experiment, every study that involves Parkinson's. And, you know, they're not, they don't all go real well, I guess. Uh, we know of at least uh, one thing he's done, something about fusing nerves to help cure the pain. But that was before they had deep brain stimulation, but it did disqualify him from getting deep brain stimulation. And it is not as effective. So that's why I'm so focused on Parkinson's disease. And I recommend to you that if you have problems with being a caretaker, that you make sure you take care of yourself so that you can take care of your patient and so that your lives can have quality, real quality. Our lives have quality. And I owe a lot to the professionals. I owe a lot to my family, particularly my kids. But mostly I owe a lot to Elaine, who makes living every day fun and exciting and a little unpredictable. And that's okay. I can deal with that. So I definitely recommend that you take care of yourself well. So that's really all I have for you today. And let me just say that this is Roger Berkeley saying that this is Roger Berkeley. Have a great time. I'll talk to you soon.